All that aside, um, I am really excited to be sharing with you tonight, and it's a great night to be with you in church because we are beginning, as B said, a brand new series tonight. Now, one thing as a community that I want us to be amazing at is the first commandment. I want us to be a people who loves God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And I think we've been making some investments in that area uh, over the last couple of months with the Make Space stuff and the series on faith. Um, but something I also want us to be amazing at is the second commandment. I want our community to be amazing at loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so I wanted to make a little bit of investment in that area. Uh, and I want to see us have thriving relationships with our family uh, thriving relationship with our workmates, our spouses, our bosses. And, you know, one thing that is inevitably going to come up at some point in every single relationship that you will ever have is conflict. Conflict. Yes, conflict. It's a word that sends shivers down some people's spines. It can make us feel uncomfortable and anxious. Now, when we think of conflict, often the first thing that we think of is things like yelling, anger, things like broken relationships, things being thrown, uh, if it's real bad. <laughs> and um, I am sure that at some point you have seen conflict go that way in your life, one way or another. However, that is not the full story of conflict. You see, conflict, when it's done well, can actually be an amazing opportunity for growth and for transformation in our lives. Conflict can actually be a chance for us to draw closer to God and draw closer to one another. Now, a lot of people avoid conflict as much as they can, and that's because they don't like it, <laughs> uh, which I can identify with because I, too, do not like conflict. And so for that reason, it tends to be a whole lot easier to just ignore a problem in a relationship rather than having to deal with it, and that's because dealing with it is risky. You don't always know how it's going to go if you bring a problem up. And so it can feel safer almost to ignore the problem and just sort of keep a, a surface level type of relationship but the problem is that is that you actually then withdraw in your heart in the relationship. Here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. We're not called to avoid conflict, since Jesus didn't, or to sweep it under the rug and pretend that everything is all good when it's not. Instead, we are called to do conflict in a way that creates understanding, brings about restoration in relationships, and hopefully gives both us and other people a chance to grow. So tonight, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring where conflict comes from, and we're going to look at some biblical principles, some practical tips on how to do conflict well in our relationships. And so I'm going to share a message with you tonight, then we're going to finish out. We're going to have a time of discussion questions at the end. We'll get into some small groups for that. 
So introverts, if you need to emotionally prepare for that, go ahead and start doing that now. <laughs> That's the heads up. Uh, but then really exciting, uh, in the weeks to come, you're gonna be hearing from Sarah Taylor next week. She's gonna be sharing a great message with you. And we're also working on a special guest for the week after that. So stay tuned for those details. But all that to say, I am really looking forward to this time together as we go through this series, which we are calling Fighting Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, um, I actually originally had like some, some boxing gloves that were sort of like punching, and then I was like, ah, oh, it's not quite the right vibe, is it? And so I actually liked the aesthetic of the other one better, but this just feels more in the spirit of what we're going for. <laughs> so anyway, uh, tonight, what I hope you will walk away from seeing is that conflict done well leads to relationships that excel. Y'all know I love rhymes. <laughs> so before we jump into tonight's message, let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. We thank you for the way in which you've been moving already. Thank you for the ways in which you've been raising the temperature in the spirit. And Lord, I pray that there would be some breakthrough moments tonight, There'd be some things that, that pop open, that need to pop open. And um, Lord, I just thank you that you care about every part of our lives. And Lord, that you're faithful, that you're kind to um, to stir us when we need to bring things to you, uh, to challenge us when we need to grow in meekness, and to not leave any stone unturned. And it's not because you're mean, it's because you want us whole and well in every area of our life, including all of our relationships. And so, Lord, I, I just pray for every person that's here tonight. I pray that this would be the turning over of a new chapter in their relationships. Lord, that your kingdom would begin to invade in a way that it hasn't before into our workplaces, into our marriages, our friendships, and that we would begin to see our relationships look more and more like your beautiful son, Jesus. So we commit ourselves into your hand uh, tonight. We pray for your grace. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. So, what is conflict? Where does it come from? <laughs> so, uh, so uh, some of you might not know this. I have a twin sister. Did anybody not know that? Oh, cool. Oh, well. Just waiting for this moment to break that fun fact out. Four years working for the church. This was the moment to bring that out. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I have a twin sister, and I just remember growing up, we used to uh, be home together during our summer holidays. My older sister would look after us, and I just remember this one day, I was sitting in the green chair, which by the way was the best chair in our lounge, most comfortable, and uh, sitting there and I'm watching SpongeBob. My sister comes in, grabs the remote, changes the channel. I said, hey, I said, I'm watching SpongeBob. She said, I don't care. I said, give me the remote. She said, no. I was like, give me the remote. She said, no. 
So I had to go over there and try and wrestle it out of her hands, of course. And so it turns this big fight, and finally I wrestle the remote out of her hands, turn it back to SpongeBob, and we carry on. Then after a little while, I'm starting to get hungry, and so I decided to leave the green chair, go into the kitchen, open up the freezer, and I knew for a fact that we had a box of bagel bites sitting in there. Does anybody know what those are? <laughs> Phil knows what they are. They're really good. They're like little mini pizzas thing in the States. Um, anyway, it was a huge, um, it was a huge thing. It was a huge uh, blessing, so to speak, to have uh, bagel bites in the household. So I open it up, expecting to have some bagel bites. All the bagel bites are gone. So I said, what happened to all the bagel bites? I hear Kelsey from the other, other room. Oh, sorry, I ate them all. Then I go back, and Kelsey's sitting in the green chair. <laughs> the channel's changed again. And so, long story short, it turns into this big fight, wrestling all over the place. And then I think, if I remember correctly, because this actually happened a number of times, I think that particular day it ended with her chasing me around the house with a knife, uh, which she was pretty fond of. And I actually, I did back down at that point. I, I thought it was, was a good life choice. Um, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, she did grow up to be mostly normal. Uh, so that's good, and I managed to avoid any stab wounds uh, in my childhood. But the point of that story is that conflict isn't something that you have to go looking for. Conflict finds you. <laughs> in fact, it didn't take long for conflict to emerge in the Bible. One of the first major conflicts happened between the world's first two siblings, Cain and Abel. Abel found favor in God's eyes. Cain didn't really like that, and so he mildly overreacted and murdered his brother. It's not a good life choice. So conflict is something that's been happening on planet Earth ever since the fall. And partly that is because of sin, but I think also partly it's because conflict simply happens when two people disagree on something. And because we are all different in the way that we think, in what we value, in our personalities, and what we want in life, it's kind of inevitable that at some point you are going to end up in conflict with someone else. So besides stolen remotes and bagel bites, what sorts of things cause conflict? Well, here's a few examples. First one, miscommunication. When we have differences in communication styles or when we have misunderstandings between people, it can lead to conflict. Yeah, I remember I used to work at this restaurant in Kansas City. I had this customer come in and she asked for a tomato. It's kind of an odd request, but so I, I just clarified. I said, you want a tomato? She said, yes, bring me a, a tomato. Okay, well, I'm here to serve. So off I went to the kitchen. I bring this lady back a tomato. And she gets so annoyed at me. She said, she said, I meant a side of diced tomatoes. So I thought, why didn't you just say that? <laughs> playing mind games with me. But I don't know. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Um, another thing that can lead to conflict is differences in values and beliefs. When people hold different core values or different belief systems, it can lead to conflict. Many wars have started this way. Another one is power struggles. When individuals compete for control, authority, or dominance within a relationship, it can lead to conflict. This is why politics is so messy. 
After all, if you want to be king of the hill, you're going to have to knock somebody off the top. Fourth one is unmet needs and expectations. When our needs or our expectations are not met, especially the ones that we have not communicated, it can lead to conflict. <laughs> I remember the first few months that Sarah and I were married, I had some friends of mine ask, so how's it all going? I said, ah, oh, marriage is great. It's easy peasy, so much fun. Sarah had some friends said, hey, how's marriage going? She said, I think I can see why people get divorced. She did, she did, believe it or not, she said that. As it turns out, Sarah didn't really enjoy coming home to sink full of dirty dishes, laundry all over the place. <laughs> it's a shock, real shock to me, I couldn't believe it. Um, another conflict thing, this one's a big one in marriages and business settings, financial matters, disagreements over money, your priorities with how you spend it, and your habits on how you spend it. That can lead to conflict. And the last one I've got here is jealousy or envy. When people feel feelings of insecurity, uh, when they feel uh, feelings of comparison or competition, that can lead to conflict. Anybody ever experience any of those? <laughs> what I'm hoping that you are seeing is that the causes of conflict are everywhere, and that is why it is so common. There are landmines all over the place, and sometimes you can't actually see them until one explodes. And then you know there was one there. And so that can feel a little scary as we navigate our different relationships. But, like I said earlier, the discord and the strife of conflict is not the full story. And that's because Jesus calls us to do conflict differently than the world handles conflict. And the beautiful thing is this. When we do conflict his way out of a place of love, that same conflict that had the potential to destroy our relationships can actually become a doorway instead to deeper trust in the relationship and stronger character within ourselves. Isn't that beautiful? In Proverbs 27, verse 17, King Solomon observed this profound thought. He said, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And so you think of iron sharpening iron. You often picture, uh, I don't know, an ancient blacksmith using an iron instrument or an iron uh, one of those things they have in the Lord of the Rings that spins, I don't know, to, 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 to sharpen the sword, right? And when that sharpening occurs, it only actually occurs when there is friction being applied between the two bits of iron. And so a blacksmith, they would look at that and they would know that the evidence that sharpening is actually occurring is when they can actually see the sparks flying off. Now sometimes sparks fly, in our relationships. But the right kind of friction in our relationships has the potential to sharpen us into better versions of ourselves. When I finally woke up uh, to the fact in the first months of my marriage that Sarah was kind of upset with me, uh, that she was feeling really unloved when I'd leave the house in a state of disaster, that made me 
start making more of an effort to tidy up. I picked up my socks, did the dishes. I even made the bed sometimes. And thank you. Thank you. Oh, I just feel so validated for all my efforts. Um, look, I, I still actually don't do all that perfectly still, have to be honest. Uh, Sarah will be the first to tell you that. Uh, her turn's coming next week, so I'm just, just letting her store up. She's probably up here taking some notes. Oh, yep, better say something about that. Uh, but what, what that meant was when I started making more of an effort to tidy up, Sarah would come home and she would feel loved way more often than she would feel neglected in our relationship. And so that conflict between us, that wasn't fun, but there was something about that conflict and the way that we navigated that that ultimately shaved some of my selfishness off and led to me becoming a more loving person. Does that sound like something Jesus would want us to do? So conflict can be unpleasant. It carries this risk of damage to the relationship if it is handled poorly. However, conflict done well can actually strengthen the relationship and deepen our trust in one another. Conflict done well leads to relationships that excel. Thank you. So that begs the question, how then are we supposed to do conflict well? I've got three principles I want to share with you tonight. They are, number one, have an attitude of humility. Number two, be slow to speak. And number three, be quick to listen. And we're going to be unpacking um, those tonight, and also Sarah's going to be bringing, actually really for the rest of the series, we're going to be unpacking uh, some, some helpful tips to do conflict well. But let's look at the first one. Uh, principle number one, having an attitude of humility. Man, I love how the NIV translates this famous passage in Philippians 2. You may have heard of it, starting in verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. What a beautiful example. Jesus is our example for everything. And so when he came to earth to address the greatest conflict of all time, the conflict between God and humanity, he had every right to come to the table as the superior party. He had every right to come down and just start making demands of everybody. But what did he do instead? He humbled himself. He made himself not an equal, but he actually went even lower than that and made himself a servant. That's stunning. In the same way, he calls us, as his people, 
to follow his example and to become the servant to the people around us in all of our relationships. Now, we can't control how other people behave, and it can be a little nuts sometimes. <laughs> but for us at least, as followers of Jesus, when we come to the table to address a conflict with someone, we are to come with an attitude of humility. We're to come as servants. And that doesn't mean that our concerns, our frustrations get minimized or that they don't matter. We don't keep uh, we don't just sweep our frustrations and concerns under the rug in the name of being humble. Remember that is peacekeeping, not peacemaking. It's also not real humility because real humility is agreement with the truth. What it means instead is that our concerns or our frustrations are presented in a way that is loving and gentle rather than harsh or judgmental which gives you a far better chance at actually resolving the problem in the relationship. So Jesus is pretty smart here. So when you're angry with your flatmate, you don't come in with a holier-than-thou attitude where you're just kind of saying, wow, you're so lazy, or wow, you're so dumb. No, instead, you're coming to the relationship saying, hey, I care about you, and I care about our relationship, and I want to do something to fix the tension between us. So let's look at this problem together. We're to have an attitude of humility. Things go way, way better in conflict resolution when you come to them that way. Principle number two is to be slow to speak. The book of James says this to us. Verse 19 of chapter one, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I know I'm talking about my marriage a lot tonight, <laughs> but the person that I have practiced this the most with is Sarah. When you are married to someone, frustrations are just going to come up, just going to happen. And it doesn't mean either of us are bad people. And there's just been so many different times where Sarah has brought a really valid frustration or critique or uh, anything of that sort uh, to me. And my knee-jerk reaction is to get really defensive, is to feel that defensiveness. And I have had to consciously learn how to feel that feeling of defensiveness, but to not let it get into the driver's seat, to keep it in the passenger seat. Because here's the thing, when we are being defensive, we are coming to the conversation from a place of anger. And as James so eloquently puts it in this verse, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You can't put anger in and get righteousness out. Does that make sense? That's also why the book of Proverbs observes, observes that a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. So angry and defensive words, they don't get us very far in conflict resolution. In fact, they generally make things a little bit worse. But guys, Jesus has something better for us. Because it's so easy to say things that are unhelpful and escalatory when we are upset, that's why James calls us to guard our 
words, to consider them carefully before we say them. He calls us to be slow to speak and slow to anger. And when we do speak, we are to speak with gentleness and softness. Now, as a bonus, here are a few practical tips that I have found helpful when it comes to how you speak when trying to resolve a conflict. First one is to choose the right time and place. Really important. You want to find a space that allows for privacy, right amount of privacy, minimal distractions, and you want it to be comfortable. You want to make sure that there's enough time for everybody to be able to say what they need to say and to process what they're feeling. It's really important. Choose the right time and place. Another, <clears throat> another one is to express your feelings using I statements. When you do speak, you start by sharing your own feelings and experiences rather than pointing fingers or assigning blame. Now, I found it really helpful to use phrases like, I feel or I felt or I have noticed or I wonder if, those sorts of statements. Uh, on the other hand, when you make you statements in these sorts of conversations, as in, you don't care about me or you're being selfish or you're a muppet, uh, did I use that correctly? Yeah. Oh, I was really excited to bring that out. <laughs> really excited to bring that out. Um, it almost always, when you're making those you statements, almost always means that what you're doing is you're making assumptions about the other person's motives. And the honest truth about that is you just can't know what motivates someone unless they really tell you. And so we don't want to make assumptions, and so it's good to stick to I statements. I felt I feel. Last one is to be specific and keep focused on the issue at hand. Don't start talking about something that upset you 10 years ago. Don't start talking about other things. Keep it focused on why you're having the conversation. So that's principle number two, be slow to speak. Last one that I've got for you tonight, principle number three, be quick to listen. Now, I've saved this one for last because it's probably the most important one for us to use when we're resolving conflict. Now, I've heard it said that God has given us two ears and one mouth and that we ought to use the two in that ratio. <laughs> so we should be listening twice as much as we're speaking. Now, again, Book of James encourages us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And when we listen, we want to do that well. So here are a few practical tips on how to practice active listening in a conflict. First one is to give your undivided attention. Make sure that you are making eye contact. Do what you can to eliminate distractions and keep your focus on the person that you're talking to, although it's helpful to blink every now and again. Um, otherwise, you'll scare them. Um, the other one is to practice reflective listening. Anybody ever heard that before? Reflective listening involves paraphrasing and summarizing what the other person has been saying, and it's a bit deeper than that where you're actually trying to reflect back what you feel like they are feeling based on what they're saying. 
And so it's statements like, so if I understand correctly, you're saying da, 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 da. Or it seems like you're feeling da, 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 da. This not only demonstrates that you are actively listening to the other person, but it also helps to clarify any misinterpretations that might be happening as you're listening to the things that they say. And so it allows you to get clear on what the real problem is. Because I'll tell you something, when you're doing conflict, almost 99% of the time what you think is the problem is not actually the problem. The real problem is several layers deep. And you've got to do a little bit of digging to get down to it. And that takes active listening. The most skilled person I've ever seen do this is John T. King. (laughs) My goodness, that guy is an amazing listener. (laughs) Uh, There has been so many times that I've brought uh, frustrations, not hardly ever to him, uh, because who could ever be frustrated with him? He's such a great guy. (laughs) Uh, But just challenging things that I was experiencing. He was mentoring me for for quite some time. And... and, um, Man, he was incredible at listening, making me feel heard. And he would just simply listen to what I was saying, and then he'd say, what I hear you saying is da-da-da-da-da, or it sounds like you're feeling da-da-da-da-da. I'd say, yeah, man, that is what I'm feeling. I just felt so, so heard, so seen. It's beautiful. I think I might have cried a few times. <laughs> he has that effect on people. Good tears. So yes, so that is that one. Practice reflective listening. Uh, The last one in this list is to show empathy and to validate other people's emotions. Emotions can run high during conflicts, right? Feelings can get out of hand. And what you can do is you can respond with phrases like, I can see why this would be frustrating to you. Or it sounds like this situation or Sounds like what I've done has caused you some hurt. Sorry about that. When you validate someone else's emotions, it shows that you are genuinely trying to understand their experience and makes them feel safe. It also makes it a whole lot more likely that you'll actually be able to resolve the conflict. So be empathetic and be validating to what people are feeling. It's important. Here's the thing. Effective listening requires patience, requires humility, and it requires a genuine desire to understand someone else's perspective. And so you gotta be sincere about that. It's a key part of doing conflicts well. So that's the three principles that I wanna leave you with tonight. Number one, have an attitude of humility. Number two, be slow to speak. And number three, be quick to listen. Put these into practice, and you've got a much better shot at doing conflict well. And when we do conflict well, it leads to relationships that excel. Good. (laughs) Do you guys stand to your feet with me? So just a moment. I'm going to pray for you, pray for God's grace on this. But when we do these sort of real practical kind of talks, I like to open it up and just get us talking to each other a bit more, uh, which is always a good thing. And so what we're going to do in just a moment is I'm going to have you get into groups of two or three um, or four, up to four. Go for it if you want to do that. Um, And we're going to put some discussion questions up on the screen, and we'll give you eight to ten minutes to Uh, discuss those with your group. Hopefully that sparks some really good conversation. Yeah. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for uh, everyone who's here. And God, I just thank you that you care so much about relationships. You cared so much about fixing broken relationships that you came to the earth, humbled yourself, and died on a cross so that we could have this, what we have right now, access to God, relationship with him. And so Lord, I, I know that you can look into every person that's here tonight into their life, Holy Spirit, and see where there is discord, where there is wounded relationships, where there's hurt, where there's brokenness. And God, we can't always control what other people do and sometimes it's hard to fix a relationship when somebody else doesn't want to work on it, when somebody else isn't willing. But God, we never want to be the reason that a relationship stays broken. And so God, we humbly ask for your grace. Grace to forgive when we need to forgive. Grace to say sorry when we need to say sorry. And God, grace to take ownership over the health of our relationships that we have and to be lights, God, in every single place that we go. Lord, it's my prayer that this community, that each of us would be amazing at our relationships. God, that our workmates would say they are such a lovely, wonderful person to work with. The Jesus thing is kind of weird, but I don't, really, I don't really get that, but they are just wonderful to be around. God, I want our people to, to have amazing relationships with spouses, amazing friendships that aren't hindered by the first obstacle or the first frustration that derails the whole thing. But God, that we would be men and women who go the distance, that we fight for healthy relationships. I long to see that, God. So would you help us? We are your servants, God. And we love you tonight. Jesus' name. Amen.